0: We heard a, a, a child say hello, and we were laughing at it. Um, it was coming from a closet, and we we kind of let our guards down a little bit, and we're, you know, like, that was funny. We're trying to talk to this little child. Next thing you know, we both hear growling coming from that closet, a very guttural, deep growling. And we kind of looked at each other we're like, uh-oh.
1: You are listening to Terror Signals, presented by Normal Paranormal. I am your host, Justin Banforth. So Dan Webster began his supernatural journey completely by accident. How? Well, it was his love for historic locations. And as you know, there are plenty of historic places that are also haunted. Well, one location in particular hooked him. The Gabriel Davies Tavern in Glendora, New Jersey. Now, Dan was a proud member of two large paranormal investigation groups in the past and is currently the co-director of Evolution Paranormal. Although Dan has participated in and investigated several dark cases or heavy cases, today he prefers helping historic locations instead. Now Dan has participated in various roundtable discussions, lectures, and podcasts, including one discussion group that I hosted for several years, and that's how we first connected. And I'm always intrigued by his pragmatic approach to the paranormal, and I love hearing about the experiments that he does in this field. I mean, this man is always experimenting with different techniques and tactics to stimulate responses from the phenomenon, but most importantly, to try and learn about how it may operate. But he always looks for logical and reasonable solutions before jumping to any such paranormal conclusion, which is why I appreciate his expertise and his knowledge, which he's going to share with us tonight. Some of Dan's EVP recordings been mentioned in my book, The Spectrum, but they have also been featured on NJ.com, as well as the travel channel show, Ghost Nation. It's in Season 2, Episode 7, titled Evil, Inc. Dan Webster, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. I didn't know that you were involved with Ghost Nation. You know, How did that opportunity uh, come to be?
0: Oh, I wasn't necessarily directly involved. Uh, the director of uh, N.J. Rope was involved. Um, he was called, he was contacted by the Travel Channel um, asking about uh, different locations that they may have investigated that presented uh, a unique kind of problem. Um, and that's kind of how we got involved. We had already investigated uh, the place. Um, this uh, It's a place called Zone 13. It's in Deptford, New Jersey. And it was probably the most active place I've ever been associated with. Um, I showed up. Uh, I was an assistant director for the group, and we showed up to give like a reveal to the uh, to the clients. Uh, we were helping them out. We don't charge anything, but we still refer to them as clients. We treat everything with respect. So we kind of gave them a, 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 the, the group had investigated that I wasn't a part of. And I showed up just to help out with the reveal. And as we're doing the reveal, we all could hear things and see things going on around us that just was like, what was that? As we're doing this reveal, we decided to go back to the cars, grab our equipment, come inside and investigate again, because there was just so much going on. We could all hear it. Uh, We watched a a, a stool or actually it was a bench kind of lift up and make a clunking sound. And there was nobody near it. So there was stuff going on and we're like, oh, we have to investigate now.
1: Wow, that's amazing. You know, and I don't think that most people realize that, right? This doesn't, this phenomenon doesn't always happen on command. It's just, it's so spontaneous, right? It's hard to just document it, but sometimes things take place when you're least expecting it, right?
0: Well, absolutely. That's, that's probably why no one's ever been able to prove to your um, uh, most skeptical of skeptics that this even exists because we can't duplicate it we can't have it's never been on command we can't say hey you speak and then they speak you know um uh, sometimes we don't capture anything during an investigation but yet we had a recording going through a walkthrough and we've captured things but then during the actual investigation nothing so you know i don't know what sparks it i you know i don't think there's any experts in this field i think we're all hobbyists and uh Some go different ways and, you know, they jump right to the paranormal. Me, I kind of try to stay off of the paranormal until I hear something that doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, skepticism is common when it comes to the paranormal, but it can be healthy. You know, it's completely different from debunking. But how do you address those who may not be as open to what we do? Or rather, like, how do you maintain a, a balanced approach to your investigations?
0: Um, well that's just me. I I I try to remain balanced. I mean I'm on teams. Um I suggest everyone be a part of a team um because you can learn so much. Uh there everybody has their own unique um either abilities or talents or like you said, skepticism. Uh some people you know, I've been on investigations where people think that there's all kinds of things happening. I'm not seeing anything. I'm not hearing anything. But then you go home and you listen to your recordings, you know, like, oh, my God, I had the most amazing night ever. You know, you go home thinking it's the most boring night. And then you realize, oh, my God, I had the great, greatest night, greatest investigation. So you never know. You never know.
1: You never know. Well, how did you first get involved with an investigative team?
0: Um, well, I was um, I was at the Gabriel Davies Tavern uh, one day. Uh, it's a, it was in my the, the area that I uh, lived in, in Glendora. And just walking around and a woman pulls up in a truck and uh, I've all my life, I've been fascinated by this building. I love historical locations. I've always looked in the windows, you know, put my hands against the glass and looked in and said, wow, I never even knew it was open. I never knew you could actually go in. Um, And she says, are you here for the ghost hunt? And I said, no, what do you mean ghost hunt? Like what's going on? She says, oh, well, we get to go inside and spend the night and we investigate it. And all I was interested was going inside. I'm like, I I don't care about ghosts, I, whatever, you know, I don't really necessarily, I never really had too many paranormal experiences or anything I couldn't explain. So I'm like, yeah, I, I want to go inside. Um, now, I didn't participate in that investigation, but about a week later, I was at a Cranberry Festival uh, with the, uh, oh, I volunteered for a wolf rescue and we were there with the wolves and right next to us, there was the ghost hunters, the same girl that showed up at the, you know, asking about the ghost hunt, so they were all handing out flyers, and I saw that they were going to be back at the tavern for another date, and I decided to go on that date, and I became kind of curious about it. Um, I was listening to some of their evidence that they would display, and you know, talk about different things, and I kind of, I, I was like, you know, that's something I might want on my resume someday. That I was a, I was a paranormal investigator, so I joined the team, um, learned a lot, and uh, and I went from there. I got hooked because of my first investigation. Um, it was funny. You you know her, Marty. Uh, Marty was uh, Marty was uh, with another trainee, and they were discussing. I know now it was a REM pod, but I didn't know what it was then. And they're they're talking to this REM pod. This REM pod's lighting up, and it's beeping, and they're saying, "Oh, can you make it go blue? Make it go red?" And I just remember in the back of my mind thinking this is such a waste of time. I am not seeing anything. This thing's lighting up. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's making this thing go off, but I, and I'm thinking that I'm not saying that in my, in my head. I mean, I'm saying that in my head, but I'm not saying it out loud, but when I go home and listen to my recording at that moment that I hear them talking to this REM pod in the background, I hear, and my recorder was in my top pocket. And I hear a woman come across my recording in a very, you know, very breathy, airy type voice. And I still have the recording because it's just amazing to me because she said, oh, baby, tell me how you like it, big boy. Oh, yeah. Now, when I heard that, my jaw dropped because I knew there was no one around me. Who? Who? Was talking in my breast, my chest pocket, for that to pick up. Like, what is going on here? How's this possible? There's and it just my mind was was completely blown. I became one hundred percent hooked and and convinced that there's stuff going on out there that we don't have answers to.
1: That's really amazing stuff. I, I had no idea. You know, I've, I've been to the Gabriel Davies.
0: Well, the, the, this was actually the Cape May Fish Market, um, where my first actually official investigation. Okay. And we, we later found out—I didn't know—but we later found out that it was a brothel back in the early 1900s during the Prohibition days. No kidding! So, wow. Uh, yeah, but but it's just like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> how do you explain that? So I mean, and 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 I wanted to explain it. I, I my mind is a very rational mind, and I want it to explain it. I want it to understand it. But when you when you have a, something come on your recorder that you know was not there that didn't happen you did not hear it yourself you want to you want to find out what it was i think the normal person would want to find out what it was
1: have you formulated an opinion on what you think evp might be like is it really the spirits i
0: i can't i i, I sent you um i sent you a recording and mm-hmm. uh which was a funny one for me and the reason why it was funny because it was uh, um it was um the home of a famous, uh, harness racer. His name was Donald dancer and it was at the Singleton farmhouse. And we had, it, I, was, I was tired. So when you, when I get tired, I kind of get punchy. Like I kind of start making fun and stuff like that. And I'm not necessarily a spirit box guy. I don't really like the spirit box to me. It makes too much noise. Um, and I never know what to expect. Like, you know, I don't know if it's a radio, I don't know what's coming across, but, um, during the during the uh, we were interviewing and we were we were doing EVP questions, um, the spirit box is just doing its thing, the you know the hissing and the and the you know the changing of the stations. So his name was Donald Dancer, and he was a harness racer. So I hope nobody I don't mean disrespect, but I kind of said, does the song "Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer" offend you or upset you? and the spirit box is just going and you hear you're joking on the spirit box very clear you're joking (laughs) and does the song hold me closer tiny dancer upset you Yeah, I'm joking. That's that's impossible. Of <laughs> course I'm joking. Yeah, I was joking, and that kind of took me back. I'm like, wait a minute. What, what what do you mean I'm joking? Yeah, I was joking. Like, who are you? What I you know I I wanna know, but then you don't hear anything. Um and the fact that the fact that we never get answers to those crucial questions that we all want to know like is there a god is there you know is there a heaven is there a hell um it doesn't we never seem to get those kind of evp answers we get very you know general you know yes or yeah or get out or you know usually we get very generic answers to our questions that you know it could be anything but we never seem to get that one yes there's a god or 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 at least I haven't I haven't captured anything that was you know mind blowing or you know just a lot of fun, a lot of fun it's a, investigation is a lot of fun
1: do you ever ask those types of questions on investigation like is there a god or is there a hell
0: i have uh, there's there many times um you know i'll go through a, a a series of questions evp questions and um you know most of the time the my evp's most of the times i've captured things wasn't even during an evp session it was just kind of like either, either i was conversing with someone or you know just walking around and you know noticing things and i hear something and um again i'll go back to marty because she was a uh, part of the first group that i joined and she used to give classes on how to you know fine tune your abilities um, and I was never somebody that had abilities. So I attended her classes. And one of the practices that she taught us was when you're in public, when you're around, you know, in nature and you're walking down the street, try to identify every sound you hear, you know, make a mental list of everything you're hearing currently. And the more I started, um, hearing that and, you know, and, and documenting everything that I would hear, like a dog, a bird, car, car horn you know people a conversation a a song a radio in the background or the trees move you know the leaves blowing anything any kind of sound i would identify it and i noticed during investigations i started being a little bit more aware of things i hear so now you know like the 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 um the EVP that was was on ghost nation um i heard something i couldn't make out what it was but i heard a whisper and me, uh, i and another investigator we both we both heard it we just couldn't make it out. And then, you know, it turned out to be an older lady that says something about, I'm not moving. And there was no older lady there, so.
1: Yeah, there there's one particular EVP that's always fascinated me uh, that you caught. And I wrote about it in the spectrum. Um, and on the recorder, there's a female voice that whispers, do you have to use the bathroom? But you you never heard the voice in real time. However, seconds right after that, you tell your team quote i'm going to use the facilities first and this is like it kind of gets into your, the spirit box session that you mentioned right it's almost like this phenomenon whatever it is has this precognitive ability right or it it really calls us to reevaluate what a ghost might be you know what is it somehow tied to our our thinking our um our physical responses does it does it seem to know things before we even know we're going to say them or think of them, you know, d- does that scare you at all? That the, that the phenomenon might be one step or two steps ahead of us.
0: Um, it, it intrigues me. I wouldn't say it scares me. And, and, uh, I would tend to agree with what you're saying. Um, and, and by the way, I was on an investigation with Taryn and we all know Taryn. I love Taryn to death. Um, she was actually the only one that we we were in a basement and we were doing it for a team and there were other teams on other floors, and yeah, we we had just sat down in a basement, and we had a, you know, part of the team. We you know we get we use radios and say, okay, it's uh, nine o'clock, and we're you know going to start our investigation. It was a couple minutes before we were going to start. We sat down in the basement, and I looked over and I saw that there was a bathroom uh, in a restroom in in the basement, and I thought to myself, well, before we start, let me use the bathroom. I kind of thought that to myself. And I said to Taryn, I think I'm gonna use the facilities before we start. And like you said, there's a female voice that says, right before I say that, you have to use the bathroom. And I, that's when I said, I think I'm gonna use the facilities. I'm gonna use the facilities first. I'm gonna use the facilities first. I didn't even use her exact words, which was kinda you know, I, I I it blows my mind too. Like what again, it goes back to is it it was it subliminal? What was it was there a, an actual spirit there that kinda was whispering in my ear? Was it my spirit guide? I mean, I don't even know what a spirit guide would be other than a spirit, but um what, or was it something that I created, you know, in my mind, did I, did I think that and have a voice come over a recorder? Again, it goes back. There's so many possibilities and it just, it, you, you'll probably go crazy trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah. And we try, right? I mean, we, we, we go into these investigations thinking we might have a potential answer or a, uh, a, a line of following that. Or, or investigating rather that we could follow. and then something occurs that makes us completely reevaluate what this phenomenon could be. For as long as I can remember, you've been a a, a huge uh, advocate for using uh, technology. And sometimes you experiment with the technology too, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and when you say technology, it doesn't even have to be something so innovative. Um, I've used pith balls on an investigation. Oh. I don't know if you know what a pith ball is. It almost looks like a little styrofoam ball on a string. Mm-hmm. And um, if you if you create some kind of static electricity, like if you rub a balloon on your chest or something like that and you put the ball or you put it close to the ball, it will repel. The pith ball will actually repel away from the static charge. Um, and then it will, for, I don't know how it does it, but all of a sudden it switches and it, now it attracts it. So it changes polarity, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and I've, I've, I've taken two pith balls, put them on strings Put them close together, and this way it shows – the reason I use two is because it shows there's nothing blowing it because what will happen is if you put a static charge towards the pith balls, they will repel against that charge and then attract. For two, Now, two pith balls together, they'll go absolutely – they'll actually, if you put something static close to it, they actually go in opposite directions. And that's where it would show that nobody could be blowing it or there's no interference because if you blow it, they're going to go in the same direction. But if there's a static charge put to a pith ball, it first it repels against that static charge. Then it it. it then it's attracted to it. So it goes from negative polarity to positive polarity. I don't know how it does it, but it does it. Um, things like that. Uh, I've used frequencies and, you know, um, um i've always been a, a i love nikola tesla and and he uh he was big on frequencies and he said i think he said something about if man could ever figure out uh frequency um we would discover the meaning of life um so or something to that effect and i i i i believe that because you know it 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 don't, it's the only thing that explains why we hear certain things why are you know Some investigations I might hear something. Some investigations I might not hear anything. But 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 scientifically, frequency is what explains that because our hearing range is very limited, as far as the frequency range.
1: So, what are some of the experiments that you've done specifically with uh, with frequency?
0: Um. Well, I've played certain frequencies to see if it inspires. Like, um, I noticed that when we do EVPs, if you put it on a. on a spectrometer, um, or an oscilloscope, or something like that, you can kind of see that it's a frequency that's either below or above your hearing range. Um, it's like right on, which explains it ex- to me. You know, I was in a band for a while, and we did a lot of recordings and things like that. And if you if you narrow down a frequency, like if I'm talking now, if you're recording me, you can actually take a, a use a, 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 spectre, a you know, uh, some kind of a way to limit some of the frequencies. Like you can turn down the bass, you can turn down the, you know, you can dur- turn down different frequencies and limit the Hertz. Um, it, almost like an equalizer. But if you turn all that down and you're left with the extremes, you hear me as a whisper, as opposed to my actual voice. You know, you can, tur- you can take the bass out of my voice. You can take the treble out of my voice. And when you, when you take a lot of that out, you're left with a, a breathy whisper, and I think that's why we, a lot of times on our recordings we actually hear it comes across as a whisper. I think there's a I think the frequencies that's you know what I'm saying I I think that um, you know because our and that's all that ex- explains why our recorders pick up things that we can't hear because the recorders have a wider range, and I've used very expensive recorders, but the most EVP, the better EVPs I capture are usually the cheaper recorders that don't limit. They don't seem to limit the the frequency. You know, whether you better, your better recorders, your zooms and things like that, are more expensive. They might pick up better quality EVPs, but I think the cheaper ones actually pick up more EVPs because they don't have those filters. You know, they, uh, the 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 more expensive uh, recorders are. You know they're they're meant to pick up human voice, but there's so much there's so many ranges you know below and above the human voice, so I think the the smaller ones without the filters are the ones that pick up the better e v p s
1: Are there devices out there then that could give us in essence real time e v p
0: yes uh i I've tried that it's it's difficult um for me to investigate that way. A lot of those real time e v p s you know you almost have to have headphones. And when you're investigating with headphones, you can't pick out the direction. So like if you did hear something, you can't say, well, it came from that doorway. You can't came from, you don't know if it came from the right to the left, in front of you, behind you, when you're wearing headphones. So I I try to not use the real-time EVP type devices. But but yeah, uh, I think it would be the best to investigate with um, if you're just looking for something
1: in your opinion which specific technologies have been the most influential in advancing this field specifically paranormal investigation um and recently you know because there's a lot out there there's a lot of tools out there but but what do you think is the is the the most influential ones or the most promising ones
0: um it's hard to say I, you know you, you have the the x cams you have you know um Uh, but you can fool them. You know, you have your REM pods, you have your your static devices, your EMF devices, but again, you can fool them. You can, you know, if you're in a room and they have a a REM pod on the floor and someone's phone gets a text at that same time, the REM pod's going to go off. So there's not, there is no foolproof ghost detector uh, type device. I think, you know, Um, you know, one of the big hits on some of the devices that we use is that, uh, you know, it's not designed for ghost hunting. Well, what is there? I don't think there is anything. Um, I like using devices that I can manipulate being a human without touching it. You know, so whether it be a static device, an EMF device, or like I said, the PIF poles that, you know, yeah, I can manipulate it. I can actually put something um, close to it. That statically charges it, but if you have it on a camera and you don't see anything near it, and those pith balls start retracting against each other and then they then they attract each other, something sta something with a static charge just came in contact with it, and if you have it on a camera and there's nothing near it, that's pretty significant. So um, you know, as far as what devices, um, I would just have to say that the, the recorders, because because of I think 99% of our evidence is EVPs and it is recordings.
1: Interesting. Are there any particular recorders out there? I know you mentioned the, um, the cheap ones. That's something that you recommend, but what specifically, are there specific units and models that you would recommend?
0: I actually, I did a test on this and I found that, uh, I don't even remember the, the model, but it was an Olympus. A very small Olympus was it. Because what I did was I, I, you know, I had a very controlled experiment with different recorders. I had about nine or ten recorders, you know, your Zooms and the Olympus and, and all, all different kinds of models from those, uh, the, the recorders, makes and models. And I put them across the room and I use distance and I would play, I have a frequency generator. So I would generate a certain frequency and I would document, um, you know, on a computer, I could see how loud. It picks up a certain frequency. And as the frequency went lower, that's when I would start losing uh the volume on your more expensive recorders. And I noticed the cheaper recorders kept that same volume. And you you know, literally you could go down to 20, you know, 20, 25 hertz and your cheaper recorders are picking it up. You can't even hear it with your own ears. There, there's sounds you can't hear with your ears, but the recorders were picking it up. But the more expensive recorders they also stopped picking it up. You know, so I think they had the filters that kind of weed out all that stuff that's not in our own human voice uh, frequency range.
1: Yeah, uh, you mentioned the Olympus. That was a recorder I used for a long time. I used an Olympus WS-210S, and that was my uh, tool of choice that I used to always take out on investigations. But you, you mentioned some of these tools that the audience may not be familiar with you mentioned uh x cams rem SpiritBox. spirit box. could you describe those in a little bit more detail for those who may not be well versed in this technology
0: yeah well you have uh rem pods. um rempod has an antenna um there's very many ver- there's different versions of that rem pod, um but it has an antenna uh has uh, you know bells and whistles had lights and and things like that. And w- what it does is it creates an electromagnetic field around, like a sphere of electromagnetic field around the antenna on this device. I've seen them where people would put these devices inside of a stuffed animal, like a trigger object or anything like that. And if something penetrates that, you can, you know, it, it'll sound an alarm or a light will light up or... um You know, then you have, you know, statically charged devices like like the dome or things like that, where, you know, anything, anything with static um, comes close to that. They'll start lighting up. The problem is, like, you know, I've had these I've had a dome or I had some of these static things, you know, just, you know, playing around with them and seeing what seeing how they work. You know, my dog will be across the room wagging his tail and it's making it go off because of the static in the air. So, you know, again, it could be uh, it could be our clothing causing them to go off. That's why I'm always skeptical of these things, and I try to figure out what you know how they work and what would what would trigger a false positive. And of course, when I'm on an investigation, um, you know, I've been asked this by you know uh, Kenny Biddle. Ken, Kenny Biddle was a great guy, uh, love him to death, good skeptic. And I've been asked, you know, well, how do you know it's a spirit? I don't know. Like when you're fishing and you have a lure on the end of your line, you have to jig that you have to jig that lure like you know there's a fish there, you know you have to pop it, you have to you know you know reel it in and you jerk it and stuff like that, trying to catch a fish well, I'm trying to catch a ghost so or a spirit um so i'm if that rem pod starts going off, no matter what I think about what's going on, I'm gonna act like it's a ghost because. Of that chance, it might be, you know. It's never been evidence for me. A Rempa and any of these devices have never been evidence for me alone. But at that same time, if my recorder captures something at that same time, to me, it 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 it, and it reinforces that what what was going on was true.
1: Yeah, and you you have a lot of experience, not just going to uh, historic locations, but you got your training working residential cases, right?
0: That's correct. Yes, both. So I, I, I'm somebody. I'm somebody that uh, I can't say no to something. So when someone says, "Hey, you want to go do this?" Yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know, um, I don't necessarily. Be- I don't believe in demons. You know, I, I. I mean, it's not something that I think is. It's. I guess it's possible, but I don't necessarily think that we're dealing with demonic things. I think, me personally, I think um, we're probably just dealing with very mean, nasty spirits, you know, I, you know, I, I, but I'm very open-minded, you know, and, and, you know, you've taught me a lot because I was part of your round table discussions and things like that. And, you know, I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in UFOs, but I will, I will watch these things and keep that open mind that it is possible. You know, I, I I think I would believe more in the Loch Ness Monster than a Bigfoot because, of all these years that people have been claiming they've seen Bigfoot, we still haven't. We still don't have one. Um, I think that if there was an actual animal walking this earth, and if it, if it was an actual animal walking this earth, it wouldn't be paranormal. It would just be an animal walking this earth. So Bigfoot to me is not paranormal unless unless it's a spirit of something. You know what I'm saying? Like if you saw a badger that no one's ever seen before, that's not paranormal, that's just a, just a badger no one's ever seen before. Uh, for some reason, um, no one's ever captured a Bigfoot. No one's ever shot a Bigfoot. No one's ever, um, found a dead Bigfoot. So, you know, the Loch Ness monster or something that, you know, or, or a UFO, it's not here on earth. So there's a better chance of not finding it, a dead one or, a, a, a or getting a better picture of a live one. But, um, but it is possible. Everything's possible. You know, every, this this paranormal adventure has opened my mind to every anything is possible.
1: Do you think that there is a possibility then that ghosts may not be the stereotypical, uh, preconceived notion that we have of ghosts—that they're spirits of dead people? Could it be something else? Um, not sure. Th- there's
0: locations. I brought this location up. Um, the other day, um, I was actually in New Jersey the other day. And we have investigated, uh, the team has investigated a place in Winslow. That's in New Jersey. And there's probably, you know, I've been on an investigation probably three or four times, investigated that location. And every time. Almost every one of our EVPs was profanity. Now we don't get much profanity in other places why there why why do i you know i don't i don't compare my evps or i don't compare compare my reports to other people until it makes the final report but then when you see the final report you realize that investigator a caught a prof- profanity type evp investigator b also profanity you know i, I mean and this was vulgar profanity in this one house, why i don't know, but if it's not spirits, you would think that 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 type of e v p would be everywhere, but it's not it's just it's limited to certain locations like you know it, it's almost like someone that lived there. that would be the only reasonable explanation of me that someone that was associated with that house that lived there is just a very profane profane type person,
1: but would Wouldn't that be the spirit of a deceased individual then that is there or is it something else?
0: My my logical mind says, yeah, it would have to be. I mean, if you're if you're setting up a recorder and you're capturing a very, you know, even if it's something like, say, say a house you go in and, you know, every every investigator captures laughter, you know, just as an example in this one house, but yet none of the other locations we hear laughter. I guess you would have to surmise that whoever's there is a very happy person or a happy spirit. You know, if you if they're laughing and having a good time, then you know you'd have to surmise that. So yeah, if you if you if you get angry EVPs, which I've gotten, um, uh, you would have to think that that's a very angry person or that used to be a person. Uh, but it, this uh, this this whole thing has absolutely strengthened my faith because, you know, I was uh, I remember uh, when I first started this, I went to my pastor and uh, I told him what I was doing. And he he says, I I would have to tell you not to do that. I'm going to have to tell you that, you know, what you're doing is very dangerous. And he said, but he says, I was at a convention in Gettysburg one time. And uh, this is my pastor speaking. He said, I I was getting dressed and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I see a little boy walk behind me and sit on the bed. He said, I spun around and I look and I watched the bed lift up and I heard footsteps leaving that bed. He said, now my Bible tells me that I didn't see that, that it's impossible. He says, but I know what I saw. So he says, as much as I say, tell you that, you know, my teachings tell me that that doesn't exist. I know what I saw. I'm just going to warn you to be very, very careful. And uh, so far, I haven't, been, I haven't been careful, but I haven't been followed home yet either.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, on that note, I, you know, because I do consider myself a Christian as well. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that these things do not exist, but rather it cautions us and warns us against interacting with these forces that, that do, in fact, exist.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, you go back to the Catholic Church, they they say, that, you know, there's, you know, they talk about how, you know, but they have a whole division of exorcists, yet they don't want to talk about it. It's, you know, it's, it's funny that they don't want to talk about it. And, um, you know, for years, the government has not wanted, wanted to talk about UFOs. And now all of a sudden, I think I've had this conversation with a few, all of a sudden something changed. Where they're more, hey guys, look what we captured. What's your opinion? You know, they release it to the media. They release these. The government was the ones that were sequestering it. They, 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 they or they were the ones that that would, uh, you know, suppress it. They would say, "How oh, it's, oh, it's the Phoenix Lights, uh, uh, weather balloons." You know, they would come up with an excuse. Now they're the government, the, the militaries. Uh, they're, they're now actually releasing the footage and saying, "Hey." What do you guys think of this? What's the what's Joe Public think of this? I don't know why that is. I don't know. But something changed. Something changed in their mentality or the way they deal with things now.
1: Well, um, earlier you mentioned that you don't believe in UFOs. But when this information comes out, how do you make sense of it then? Do I mean, do you still take that stance of, well, maybe they're just... Maybe they're misinformed. No, or, I, I mean, I
0: absolutely believe it was possible. I mean, I've seen some some things that I couldn't explain, um, you know, in the sky. But do I believe it? That's a different story. You know, I mean, I don't I just don't believe it because I've never seen it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to believe it just because you say you saw it. You know, I believe you think you saw it, but I don't I can't believe that they exist until I see it or I experience it. I didn't believe that there were ghosts. Um, yes, I've had situations where I'm home alone and thought someone was upstairs uh, all day long walking around. I thought my dad's girlfriend's daughter was home walking around. And then at some point I'm like, what is she doing? I go up there and there's no one home. So there's been certain, certain circumstances where, you know, as a, when I was growing up, um, I never believed in ghosts. But there were things that were going on that I couldn't explain. Um, You know, just like an investigation, when I go into a house, I don't believe that there's a ghost there until I come back and I have a little bit more evidence to suggest that there might be something else going on here.
1: Can you share any personal experiences that may have happened during an investigation that had a profound impact on your belief system and your understanding of what it is that oh, we think many, we're dealing
0: with? many, many, um, you know, I, and I haven't been doing it for that long. I could imagine someone that uh, has been doing it for a long time. I've never had anything that actually scared me, but I have had things happen that I'm like, wow, that was, that was pretty weird. Um, again, I go back to the fact that I, I now uh, I've never heard anything before. But now, even now, even when I'm not investigating, I'll be in a room or I'll be in a place, a location, and I will actually hear a whisper. Um, recently, I had a coworker. Um, uh, he's a mechanic, and he's under the hood of this truck, and I was standing near him, helping him, and I heard a very breathy voice. His name is Leonard and i heard a very breathy female voice say leonard and he shot up and he said what and he looked around like he didn't know where that came from he heard it i heard it um and i said i, I didn't say anything and he kind of looked very confused because he it didn't come from my area and and he he was very confused he went back to doing his work and later on i approached him and said hey you know by the way I did hear something call your name and you heard it too. And he goes, yeah, that was weird. Um, As far as being on investigations, I've had, um, I've been walking up the steps of a basement where there's walls on both sides of me. Um, I'd have something say, you're going to die in my ear. And I'm like, and my, my reaction was, we're all going to die someday. And I just kept walking, you know, I get upstairs and I listen to the recorder and there it is right on the recorder. Something said you're gonna die, and it was a very like again. It was that very breathy, airy type, uh, uh, you know EVP. Um, you know, I've had I went up to uh, Rolling Hills, and uh, I went up there to set up an X camp for them, and uh, and Brian Kano was doing an investigation there also that same night. Which he, I love Brian Kano. He's awesome, um, and uh, I was with an investigator, Kim Petrack. And we were kind of having some fun. Um, It was late at night. We were very goofy. We're laughing. Um, We heard a a, a child say hello. um, And we were laughing at it. Um, It was coming from a closet. And we, we kind of let our guards down a little bit. And we're, you know, like that was funny. We're trying to talk to this little child. Next thing you know, we both hear growling coming from that closet. A very guttural deep growling and we kind of looked at each other. Like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> and you know, what did we just do? You know, we kind of let our guards down and now we're hearing growling and that you know, it could have been a, a human growl or, or something a little bit more nefarious, but, um, you know, it, it got, it got, it went from very funny to very, you know, serious at that point. Um,
1: yeah. That's, that's pretty remarkable. You know, we actually, you mentioned Marty, Marty Haynes, I actually interviewed her for this show uh, earlier and she talked about some of these experiences and mm-hmm. one of, you know, the the other side tends to look for those moments when we let our guard down. That's when it takes advantage of us. But from my understanding, you've also worked when you were with the groups in the past, you worked some of these heavier cases, right?
0: Yes. Uh, again, I don't know what I'm dealing with. Um, I'm not afraid. I, 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 I have full confidence in my faith that, uh, you know, nothing can hurt if God is with me, who can be against me. So I I believe that I've been, you know, I've been in in attendance and participated in so-called exorcisms. And, um, I don't know, again, I don't know anything. I don't, I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be an expert, but in each time that I, participate in these events, um, not events, but you know, situations, um, I'm six foot seven, but each time the person that was kind of narrating or going through the prayers and reading the prayers to this person that's sitting there, um, they, they had me stand behind them almost to have their back. And I I've had a priest turn around and say, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, keep it up because I can feel your protection. I can feel, you know, I'm 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 very comfortable with you behind me, and I can feel that nothing can get to me. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it. <laughs> so, you know, I I I guess uh, you know, I I just have that aura about me. The other thing that I found strange about me personally is Marty said the same thing to me that several I guess mediums have said to me, and these were unprovoked conversations didn't, never had a reading done to me, never had anyone that I never sat down and said, hey, read me or whatever. But I've had the same thing said about me several times. And they said, you have something protecting you. You have a spirit guide or you have something protecting you. And they refuse to show their face. I cannot pick it out. Marty was one of those people. And she's not the first. And she wasn't the last that said, there's something around you protecting you. And I don't know what it is. They won't show its face, which is an odd thing to say to somebody. I had someone walk up to me in a store, tell me the same thing that this is someone I didn't know. I didn't, didn't never spoke to her before or after that ever again, she just come to me up in a bookstore and she says, there is something protecting you. And I just thought it was the weirdest thing. This is long before I even got into paranormal. Someone says this to you in a store, there's something protecting you and they won't show its face. I'm like, huh? (laughs) <laughs> wow. You know, you kind of brush it off, but when you hear it over and over and over and over, you know, especially from somebody like Marty, who I respect, I love her to death and she's great. And, and she's she has a big heart. And, you know, uh, to hear that from her means something to me.
1: If there are all these forces, these positive forces, these protective forces, then wouldn't there be the opposite to that too? Because why would God exist if there's no... Negative side, too.
0: Again, I, you know, it, it goes back to what I believe. And, uh, and the reason why I say I believe things is because I have some kind of reasonable suspicion that it exists. If I, I, You know, I, me on a personal level, I've never experienced negativity. You know, I've never experienced a negative type feeling. Um, I've never felt afraid. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what we're dealing with when I, when I see someone sitting in a chair and they're claiming that they're possessed to me, it's just someone claiming they're possessed. I don't know for certain that they're possessed. I don't believe that they are, but I will just like fishing. Like when I went back to you have to act like, you know, for for you to catch a fish or a bass, you have to you have to make that lore jump, you have to make that lore do exactly what you want it to do, or you're not going to catch a fish and um you know, so, yeah, if I'm in front of someone who thinks they're possessed, I'm going to encourage them to not be possessed you know i'm go- I'm going to act like I believe that they are, but I really in my mind, I can't believe it unless I saw it. Um, if I saw their eyes change color. That might be a different story. If I saw their eyes roll or or fangs appear or, you know, um, if I saw something abnormal, I might believe it. Um, I haven't seen many things on an investigation. I, I have seen a couple shadows. Um, I only had one vision. It was the weirdest thing. I don't know if I have ever shared that with you about... Um, there was a, an historical society we were helping out up in North Jersey. Um, I can't remember the, the place. But we showed up with like 15 people, and it was a very small building. So they suggested that half of us go up the street to a place um, that's called Suicide Tunnels, because they say people have committed suicide under these tunnels. And it was below these train tracks. So I was in the tunnel. And we're doing EVP sessions. Um, I can't remember what the location was up in New- North Jersey, but um, it began with an R, but I can't remember what it was. Um, and uh, I had a vision that I was now, sta- I was like an alibody experience almost, that I was standing up on the tracks and I'm looking across the tracks and there's people on the other side in very dark clothing, and they're very sad. Very sad, they're in dark clothing, and and I tried to rationalize it in my head, I tried to put the time period together in my head about what they were wearing, and it seemed like mid-1800s. You know, very dark clothing, but it wasn't newer clothing, it was older, but it wasn't colonial either. It was just very, and and everybody was sad, and they're looking back at me, I'm looking at them, and they're kind of just waiting, and it was on the train tracks. So it, I, 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 I said to my team, there was like four or five of us in this tunnel, and I told them about the vision I had just had. And they kind of blew it off just like I would. Um, but then we switched. We went back to the historical location and this, the team that was investigating the historical location went to the tunnels. So when I got to the historical locations, I started asking questions about what I saw. And I asked the person from the Historical Society, I said, it just came to me. I said, Did Abraham Lincoln's train ever come through here when when they were carrying his body? Because that's what it, it almost seemed like it was a funeral about to happen. Like these people were very sad across from me. And she says, you know, I don't know. And she went to a couple books. She opened up a couple books and she couldn't find anything on it. She goes, I don't know. Well, about a month later, I got an email from her. Oh, my God. Abraham's Lin- Abraham Lincoln's train came right across those tracks. And she said, I can't believe it. We never knew that. The Historical Society never knew that Abraham Lincoln's train came through their town. And then when they looked, they found it, they found out the route. Um, yeah, it went right through those tracks and those. So now whether I saw that or not, I don't know. It's one heck of a coincidence. And now I think that was the only vision I've ever had on an investigation. But it made me happy whether it was true or not. It made me happy that now that historical society knows they can advertise it. that the Abraham Lincoln's train came through their town. You know, that it's something that made their made it made it made them very happy, too to find that out
1: what are some of your favorite historical locations to visit and to investigate
0: there's so many, uh, and they're all unique. Um, I I love the Gabriel Davies Tavern because it was in my area. I, I I grew up as a kid, as childhood. I came, I stumbled across it walking through the woods with some friends, and uh, the entrance way to that place. It's hard to even find, and I never knew how to even get to it until later on in adult life that I was able to drive and and you know, and I I found the road to go visit, and I would walk around. Um, but, um, so many, uh, uh, historical locations. Now, now I live in St. Augustine, Florida, and you want to talk about history. Oh my God. You know, these, these people were living here long before America was, you know, this is, you know, the first city in America was St. Augustine. So, um, you know, their history dates back way, way back. Um, I haven't done too many investigations in the city itself. So, um. I just kind of avoided. It. It, it. To me, it's like shooting fish in a fishbowl. You know, like if, if, if this place was supposed to be so haunted, I'd rather find spirits somewhere else. I'd rather do EVP sessions where you wouldn't expect to find uh, an EVP, you know. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I love all historical locations and they're so unique. Um, one thing that I found was that a lot of historical locations that are still standing today actually had something to do with each other way back then like they they seem to be affiliated somehow um uh like i i you know when you look because i've been on historical locations uh, their boards the board of directors and things like that and you know you do research about the place and you find out that well this person was married to the same person that lived in that house in pensalkin that still stands You know, that Pomona Hall, we went to the Pomona Hall one time and you, you, you participated in that investigation. They were very, the, the Coopers, it was the old Cooper house and the Coopers were friends with the people that owned the Gabriel Davies Tavern. So it's like they, it's almost like they have survived all these years when all these other houses get knocked down. It just seems like they're still standing. Why? I don't know. But they also had something to do with each other. Um you know uh, again i i can't explain it to that alone is paranormal you know we, we we you know your round tables have your round tables that you've used to have i don't know if you still have them but they uh what a learning experience um i would suggest everybody just get together and have a have round tables and just discuss anything um the group that i was a part of in new jersey was nj rope and frank uh, lazaro is the director an amazing amazing group um at least once every two weeks, they kind of have that roundtable discussion that we used to have, and they they'll have a member, a member research something, and or do a video presentation or or any topic at all. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, I did a, a, a version of or I did a, a kind of a lecture within the group on synesthesia, and it's a fascinating phenomenon. It's where Uh, You can a person can uh, uh, put two senses together like you can see the color yellow and smell a certain smell at the same time or, you know, there's a lot of musical artists, Lady Gaga, Billy Joel that have synesthesia where they can actually see (laughs) visually see the notes. They can they can hear a note and they see it. I don't know how that's possible but they can actually see that note when they hear a note. Um uh Beethoven was one of them. He you know, here's a here's a deaf a guy that can't hear yet he can play music. How how's that possible? But he could, he somehow he could see it. Even though he couldn't hear it. He could see it. So it triggered something in his brain. So that's what synesthesia is when you have two senses or more working together. Um You know, but that the most popular is, is I think, um, numbers and colors. So when someone, you know, if someone thinks of the, the number three, they might see red. The, the phenomenon is it's the same color with these people. Like they'll, every time they see a number three, they see a certain color. Every time, every time they see seven, they see the same color, um, It's just a weird thing that our brain does. And uh, I kind of think, me personally, I think that that explains people that have visions. I think they're feeling an energy and they're able to see it. They're able to see something. So whether they're actually, they can't be physically seeing it when, you know, we go on investigations and and a, a, a paranormal investigator say, "Oh, there's a woman. I see a woman sitting in that corner." Obviously, they're not seeing. They're, nobody else is seeing it. So I don't think they're physically seeing it. I think they're picking up on something else, whether it be an energy or something they're hearing that gives them that vision. You know, I—that's I, my personal belief, anyway. I, I you know, but I, it's just a hypothesis. It's not nothing. I don't have any proof in that,
1: hey, but still fascinating conversation. Nevertheless. I mean, I, I, I didn't even know about this, uh, this synesthesia. That's really fascinating.
0: Oh, there's so many examples. There's so many examples of it. You know, there was an experiment, um, with the name, uh, I think it was Kiki and Bobo or Boo Boo. The experiment is they, they would show a shape and, they would show you two shapes and you would, and the person would have to say, which one is Kiki and which one, which one is Bubu? I think it's Boo. I can't remember, or but I can't remember the second name, but you can, you can research it. You could Google it. It's Kiki and Bobo or Bubu or something. But the majority of the people would name that shape Kiki. You know, it's not 50, 50. It was, it, it was like, I forget it was like 70-30, like 70% of the people would say this shape his name is Kiki. And um that's that's the definition of synesthesia. You see a, a shape and you associate it with a name. Now it was controlled because they only give them they would have to pick an answer. But the fact that the majority of the people would always pick the same answer. I I don't know. It's it's just an odd phenomenon.
1: When you're investigating or what, just when you're researching. Do you ever conduct experiments like this that just are more about us and our response to the phenomenon?
0: Um, very briefly. Uh, the reason is, is because that would be on an historical location. When we're on a, in a private house, it's not the time to experiment. And, uh, you know, most of, the, most of the investigations I've participated in was private houses. Um, people would experience things. They're afraid. They want to explain it somehow or they want it to go away or whatever. And they would ask our group to come in um, and we would. So it was just more on a serious level. Um, very rarely have we ever had um, an investigation where we can afford ourselves to experiment. Now, the historical locations. Um, yeah, we can experiment with different things. The sad part about historical locations is I think when people go into these historical locations like Ben Franklin slept here or George Washington. They're focused so much on that specific person. Who knows what spirits might be there. Ben Franklin's not there or maybe is, but most likely he's not there. If I was Ben Franklin, I wouldn't be there. You know, if I was George Washington, I wouldn't be there. Um, um, But you know, who knows? It could have been a servant. It could be, you know, nobody's asking about the servant. Nobody's asking questions about a person that used to be on the historical society that might still be there. No one's asking about anything other than the name of the the, the famous name that might be associated with that location. So um, as far as experiments go during an investigation, you know, not like, not to that scale. I've never done experiments like that. Only maybe frequencies. I might, I might generate a frequency and see if that, you know, it, my hypothesis about frequencies and EVPs is, you know, if you've ever been on a boat or behind a boat, you know, frequency is waves, you know, it's, it's, it's waves and, and it's, uh, it's measured by waves and, uh, and the frequency is the amount of the, you know, the up and the down, the up and the down. And so um, if you've ever been on a boat and you've been behind a boat or another boat's behind you, the boat in front flattens out the waves. It flattens it out. To where the boat behind it, it makes it easy sailing. It's just cruising across flat water. Um, you know, kind of like a jet ski or kind of like a a, a knee border or if you're towing a, 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 you know, a water skier, they're skiing on flat water. It's no longer waves anymore because the boat flattened it out. So if I thought that if you generate a frequency, then you're kind of making it easier for another frequency to follow that frequency. You know what I'm saying? So I've done experiments like that where I might and I, there was n- never enough to make a, a, a good finding, but I didn't get too many good results from that. But I have I've have tried different results. I made my own. I think it's called a spectrograph, a spectro. I can't remember, but it basically, I, I made a jar, like a mason jar, put copper wire in it, a hole through the through the top of the lid, and if you put anything statically charged, the, um, copper wire will spin. It will actually repel away from the, um, the static charge. Um, I put a little, uh, picture of presidents on the lid, whereas the needle. So I would say, can you point to George Washington? Can you point to Abraham Lincoln to see if that needle ever moved? The needle never moved. So, I can't even say for sure that spirits or can manipulate static. You know, I don't I, I don't know.
1: Have there been moments where you are led to believe that you're actually making contact with some entity or some force in another realm?
0: Um not necessarily. Um, th- there were there were very active times but not on a not on a conversational level. If I heard something, I I heard it, my recorder picked it up, but it's not like I had a conversation with what I was... I would try. I would try to initiate more conversation. Um, I've even gone back to locations where my recorder might have picked something up. um, You know, went back to try to contact whatever was there, and it, it never repeated itself. So there was never any... To me, that's a true that's why this isn't necessarily a science because you can't replicate everything. It, it could be humidity. It could be temperature, moon phase. Um, you know, it could, who knows why something happens at this moment right then and there. It could be anything that made that possible. Um, you know, it could be a, a, a sun flare. So you kind of, if you were going to, a true scientist would document all that information, do their investigation, and compare what happened during that. Almost like a fishing, uh, like again, I I, can't, I hate to go back to fishing, but you know, a good fisherman keeps a fish log, you know, where they they they, they write down the, the temperature, the time of year, the uh, the current, um, the moon phase. They write all that down, and the next time they go fishing in that specific area, they use a green lure because when all that was going on, they used the green lure and they beat them up. Man, they they were catching all kinds of fish. And in the same same sense, the next time you go back, you use a or you can use a green lure, catch all kinds of fish, switch over to red lure and not catch anything. So on that specific day, you need a green lure. For whatever reason, we don't know a fisherman a true fisherman will say, OK, last time, this circumstance, this situation, this moon phase, this, you know, everything with all the conditions being the same, this is what we're going to use. And and they they have more success with that. So they the professional fishermen and the fishermen that really know how to fish, they you know, they're almost like scientists in the water because they 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 replicate all that information to give themselves the best chance of catching a fish. And I think um, that's why it's important for me um, uh, to stress that if you're part of a group, keep track of all that stuff because the more investigators, the better. Because who knows why a certain person captures something. Um, It could be them or it could be a condition. Who knows? But the more you do it and you keep track of all that stuff, you'll... You know, you, you, it'll improve your chances of capturing something, you know, later on.
1: I, I know that you have a strong connection to the Native American community, but what can we learn from different indigenous cultures and their approach to this?
0: Probably so much. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm part, I'm only 23% Native American um, uh, through my DNA. So I, I wouldn't even, they wouldn't even, I don't think Native Americans would consider me Native American with only 23%. Um, But, um, yeah, I do have a connection more spiritually than religious. Um, uh, There's something about it that um, the outdoors, the wilderness, um, you know, I had a strong connection with the wolves. Recently, Justin, since I have moved to Florida, I have a connection with owls. I can call owls. Um, I've mimicked their voice. They come when I call them. Um, it doesn't fail. Uh, they have conversations with, with me. I've videoed these conversations. They come to my um, place and they will warn me about the, something. I don't know what they're warning me about. It could be a, you know, this is Florida. It could be an alligator in the area. It could be a a, a panther. It could be a bobcat. It could be a bear. It could be a rattlesnake. But they're it seems like some every once in a while they will sit right above my door and they will give these loud noises. Um now when I call them um it's it sounds like this. Oh
1: oh oh oh.
0: And I do that a couple times and literally they come and they will, they have followed me around the property while I'm cutting and and I'll be chainsawing a tree down and they'll sit right above me and just watch me. Um, So as far as the native American, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it seems like for whatever reason, since I've moved to Florida, I have this connection with these owls and they come all the time. They wake me up at three in the morning. They wake me up They're outside my door. Just, you know, recently the two that usually come, they just recently had a, a, a little owl. And uh, they, they basically brought their, their newborn owl to see me. You know, they, I, I, I can't explain it, but they, they, I know I sound crazy, but they really did. They, I'm like, wow, they have a new owl, <laughs> you know, and they're there and, and, and they sit right above my doorway. Um, and there's nothing there for them. You know, I don't, I've never fed them. They just come when I call and, and I've tried it off my property. I've gone to uh, several, you know, on hiking and I'll give out my a couple calls and there here comes the owls. The owls will come right in. So they they come when I call. Them. You know, and I don't know what it is about my frequency or whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it right because they come when I call. You know, I don't know why and they 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 don't expect they they know it's me doing it. They stare right at me. It's not like I'm trying to fool them. You know, they don't fly and they don't fly away when they realize it is me. I think they're more intrigued. They're like, what is this featherless owl that's calling me?
1: Well, you do know that some say the owl has a connection to the other side as a psychopomp or a spirit that leads often newly departed souls to the afterlife. On the flip side, however, some say that owls have a strong connection to the alien abduction phenomenon as well. But tell me about your experiences with the Wolf Rescue, because that is very fascinating.
0: Well, um, the Wolf, the Wolves, uh, when I was in New Jersey, I volunteered for a place called Howling Woods and uh, an amazing place. Um, The reason why I love that place was it was a rescue. We never had bad experiences because it's not like a regular animal shelter where you're dealing with abused animals or you're dealing with animals you have to put down or you know you, you know wolves are very resilient so um you know these animals were you know people had them as pets for whatever reason i don't condone people having them as, as pets even though i did um, mainly because I fell in love, I rescued them and I fell in love with them, and I I took care of them. But they were already someone's pets. You can't release them in the wild. They've never been wild. They've been bred to be someone's pet. But they don't. They have certain instincts that they don't make great pets. So I wouldn't recommend that. But one of the main things I've learned from them, and you start realizing it with other animals too, is they communicate without the power of speech. How that's possible, I don't know, but you think about it, how many animals, birds, fish are able actually able to communicate without the power of speech, every one of them. So if you think, that's what really opens my mind to a lot of things. So if you think that humans can't communicate with the power of speech, you'd have to believe that we are the only species on earth that can't. And I believe that we probably could communicate just you know, mentally. You know, we could probably communicate with each other mentally if we knew how. But we have this gift of speech where now, you know, we can communicate with speech and it makes it easier. It's probably dumbed our brains down so that we don't know how. We've lost that instinct to be able to communicate, you know, with our minds. But wolves, they can literally communicate. And the the alpha doesn't have to say a word, doesn't have to growl, doesn't have to do anything. He, the alpha, is usually a male. Sometimes it's a female. But um, the alpha usually will tell which wolf, okay, it's time for you to eat. You know, it's time for you to do this. It's time for you to do this. And they have to do it. And that wolf is able to communicate with them without, again, without the power of speech, just by a look or whatever it is there. And they follow right in line. So yeah, the, the wolves do have a um, special place in my heart and they always will. Um, and I learned a lot from them.
1: Yeah. I just remember seeing some of these photos that, that you would show me. They're just absolutely remarkable. You, you're there with the wolves. They trust you. You trust them. It's just amazing what we can do with the the animal kingdom, if we just, if we just give it a chance, you know, if we just begin to understand them, not from a human perspective, you know, and we just quiet our minds and just listen to what they're trying to tell us, even though it's not that typical verbal communication, obviously, but there's so much we can learn and so much we can discover about ourselves through these experiences. You've shared a lot of experiences with us Tonight, but how can people get in touch with you?
0: Well, I'm not selling anything. I'm, I'm I don't need anybody to c- contact me. <laughs> Honestly, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a website. Um, I'm, I don't even go on Facebook anymore. Um, the, the political atmosphere, kind of, uh, yeah. you know, both, both sides. Whether you're from this side or that side, you, you, you all kind of turn me off of that. So I don't even go on Facebook anymore. I don't, I don't get involved in any of that. Um, right now I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Um, at some point I'll probably find a, a group down here to, to get involved with. And, and, uh, that kind of shares, uh, a like-minded type, um, approach on, uh, ghost hunting, um, uh, because it is fascinating. I, 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 I recommend anyone out there join a group and, and it, it'll, it'll open your eyes and ears and every other sense that you can possibly think of. Um, uh, getting, get in contact with someone like a Justin, uh, Justin's probably the one of the most intelligent people I've known. Um, even things he doesn't know about, he knows about, you know, you could say, Hey, Justin, did you see that movie, uh, Red Shark? And Justin will say, no, nah, I didn't hear of it, but isn't it uh, directed by so-and-so and it stars this person and it was written by a book. So even things he doesn't know about, he knows about. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Justin on Jeopardy. <laughs>
1: oh my um, but he,
0: someone like a Justin has opened my uh, eyes and mind to so many different things. I can't, I, I don't even have a favorite round table discussion. I think they were all amazing in their own in their own sense, you know, we, we went from topic to topic to topic that, you know, Mothman and, you know, um, I remember you even talking about um, I think there was a generated number on 9 the date of 9-11 that that all of a sudden, like, you know, you know, when they do these uh, uh, algorithms, um, it, it's always usually consistent. But on for, for some reason, on that day, the algorithm was different. You know, the, the computer generates. So the computer picked up on our emotions, basically. Um, and It's just too coincidental. So I, and that's again, it goes back to animals. They know they know when a storm is coming. You know, animals know when when fear is there. Um, I, I, I do a lot of kayaking down here. Um, and every waterway has alligators. They're everywhere. They are scared of human beings. They want nothing to do with us. I come close to an alligator; he he, he's he's gone, um, you know. And, and if and if they're not gone, they just look at me, you know. They'll just. But if I get anywhere close to them, they they disappear. They are afraid of us. There's a reason why they're afraid of humans.
1: Yeah, and uh, what you're what you're speaking about earlier was uh, the random number generators in the Princeton University or or Paralabs uh, experiments. Yeah, those were uh, uh, experiments into uh, consciousness and um, in our our connections with one another. It, it, very remarkable stuff. But yeah, I, I used to have these these roundtable discussions back in the day, and I used to invite people like Dan and and others uh, to come over to my house, and we would have these monthly discussion groups on all sorts of interesting topics and and wild subjects. Uh, I, I've since, and that's why I'm doing this podcast. Is because I realized that. Those roundtable round discussions were important, but it was just us, right? It was just a small group, and I think that there's, there's an importance. There's a, there's a level of responsibility that we, that we owe to the community and to these fields of research to kind of further that field of research and that line of thinking to get us to kind of question some of these stereotypes or these norms that we've widely adopted for a number of years now but we've never challenged them right i mean what if paranormal phenomenon is not just related to the other side or the afterlife what if there's connections to to the human experience and consciousness and and religion and and all these different forms of spirituality that we would that we would look to you know what if all of these ideas and these theories all have weight but in different capacities, right? So I think it's important for us to kind of just to have questions, right? Just to have these roundtable groups, and that's why Terror Signals is here today, and uh, and why you are on uh, this episode of Terra Signals, my friend. So uh, amazing stuff! Thank you so much for all the kind words, all the great work that you're doing, and just uh, keep it up. Uh, one quick question though: What about Evolution Paranormal? Is that still around? Uh
0: no, we um we we we, we kind of merged with NJ Rope because okay. Evolution Paranormal was more of the on the historical side. Um we kind of merged with the NJ Rope and then um uh you know, with the pandemic, um the place of my employment uh, of 25 years shut down. So um I always wanted to move to Florida. I had property here already. I always wanted to move to Florida, so I with the pandemic and my work's shutting down, I'm thinking if I have to start over, I might as well start over in Florida. So uh I ended up moving to Florida. It wasn't for any other reason other than just a just a fresh start. And uh you know I'm s i am i went back to New Jersey over the weekend and uh visited a lot of those old places like the Gabriel Davies Tavern. Um went to the Steel Pier down Atlantic City. I have a lot of great memories on the Steel Pier. Um and uh but I and I was really excited when when you would contact me and ask me to be a part of this because, uh, again, I, I, I respect you a lot, uh, a great deal. Um, I learned so much from you and 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 the group that like Roz and and some of the people that were there during those conversations. Amazing input. Everybody was always, you know, would offer their opinion, and they'd be so different, but you would learn from everybody. Um, the only trigger that you have is the idea that the Earth is flat
1: oh goodness
0: <laughs> that's the, i think that's the only time you you kind of say wait a minute that's not true <laughs>
1: yeah i mean look you have to put your foot down and with all due respect to all the flat earthers out there please don't send me a message and try to convince me i i get it look i i respect you for being for being for being strong in your belief system and that's fine right but like i I'm sorry. You're not going to change my view on that. I do think the earth is round.
0: (laughs) I think that was the only thing I've ever found your mind closed to. (laughs) Yeah. Mine is too. I've seen pictures. I've, I, I, you know, I can't prove it's round, but I I, I haven't seen any flat earth pictures.
1: Well, the the beautiful thing about our planet, whatever shape it is, is that there's enough of this planet to hold these conversations and to, to have all these great, interesting people such as yourself. So Thank you again for coming on to this show. This is this is great and, and definitely keep in touch. And uh, let me know when you're in New Jersey again and we'll, we'll hang out, all right? No, do. All right. Take care, brother. You have been listening to Terror Signals with Justin Bamforth and presented by Normal Paranormal. For more on this show and other topics of high strangeness, please visit normalparanormal.org or visit the program website at terrasignals.com.